West Film Nerds Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Willie. I'm Nick. And uh, we're going to talk to you about movies. This week we're going to be reviewing The Bourne Legacy at the end of the episode. But uh, And then we'll go into some film news, but right now we're just going to talk about what's been going on. So, uh, Willie, you just got up and got back from vacation. I did. How, how'd that go? It was awesome. I uh, went out to Colorado to see the folks and uh, got to do some fun stuff. Went hiking for like five miles, which is extremely taxing at 10,000 feet above sea level. <laughs> yeah. Especially when, A, you're a smoker, and B, you're used to sea level. <laughs> um, and, and when most of it's uphill. No, it was really cool. We went, we went hiking there. We went to a, an Indian rock quarry that is way, way out in the middle of the woods, like 2.7 miles off the freeway, which doesn't seem like much, Yeah. like around, you know, in an urban area, yeah. but when you're out in the country, that's a hike, and sure. you have to go through like two sets of woods in this giant field, and there's like deer running in the field and stuff, real scenic, but it was cool, it was, it's been there for like thousands of years, and uh, very cool. tons of like tools and stuff they used to build up there, and we shot guns, that was fun. That's always fun. Yep. Yeah, got to shoot some guns, and yeah, it was a good time. Good, good well, time. very good, very good. Anything else uh, you want to talk about? I'm getting married. Yeah, so you're that. getting married. I am, oh, not, not anytime oh. soon. Oh, yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> just just that, no big deal. No, I mean, uh, no, nah, I'm really excited about it. It's, uh, it's a ways off. We're, uh, you know, we're going to do it a few years from now so we can save some money. And uh, we're doing a movie-themed wedding, so... I guess it makes sense uh, that we're recording a film podcast. <laughs> and I'm talking about a movie-themed wedding. It fits the, the motif. No, it, yeah, we're really excited about it, and we got some cool ideas um, as far as how to go about the movie theme without making it, like, you, you kind of try to fine line with that because yeah. you don't want it to be super cheesy and, like, yeah. over the top, but you want to have a good time, and you want people to realize that that is the theme. Yeah. So you have to find the right... I don't know. There's so much more to wedding planning than I ever thought would be, and, and I went into it with 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 pretty heavy expectations for the amount of planning that was to go into it. Yeah. But it's even more than I thought. So well, it's, you know, you got a while to plan it, and hopefully, it'll all come together pretty, <clears throat> oh, pretty yeah. easily. Yeah, and then, like I said, we're both really excited about it. I'm very happy, and she's very happy that we have three years to to stress out about Good it things. instead of like yeah. Yeah, a nice. year or six months, yeah. like some people. So. Yay for us. Well, good. Good, good, good. Nick's got some AT&T woes that I shared in the fun of this past weekend. I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Uh, basically, I mean, I needed to get internet in my new apartment, and after some research and cons- consulting with Alex, I decided to go with AT&T, but... Uh, you know, you, you choose... When, you're, when you choose your policy or whatever... Um, you can choose between self-installation of, of the modem and everything or have a tech come out and do it. And when I was at checkout, it was like, self-installation, free, tech, $149.99. <laughs> so I was like, well... It's kind of a no-brainer. Which be, one will I pick? Yeah, and I was like, well, it should be easy. I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty tech-savvy. Alex is very tech-savvy. And I was like, so we'll be able to handle it for sure. Right, right. I was assuming it would just come out through coax. But anyway... Tech the the kit shows up like right away it like shipped like right away it was there like a day and a half later I was like uh, pretty impressed with AT and T's shipping speed actually but then it showed up and we went to uh, take a crack at it and we just couldn't get anything to work couldn't get any signals then we ended up the next day going to my into the back of my building and 
uh, looking in the NID box, and uh, it's just a total mess. The apartment complex is not labeled whatsoever, anything in there, and it's it's just absolutely ridiculous. We found out that my neighbors across the hall have UVerse because there's a tag on there little wire that says number six uverse so i'm probably gonna knock on their door and say <laughs> how did you, hey, you guys have we U-verse. deciphered that code <laughs> yeah See, i don't know I, I found out through my means that you guys have uverse but anyway it's, it's just, like the ikea know, it's of uh cable installation basically uh, yeah saying. the only yeah, yeah. The, and it's it's annoying i'm gonna i'm gonna have to call them and have somebody come out and and help me with it but i'm gonna definitely plead my case for not being charged or <laughs> being charged less because i'm like i literally cannot do this myself i would love to but the building isn't wired for it. Yeah. It just looks like literally my apartment isn't even wired for internet. So, But uh, the only interesting part about this story is that Alex took the case to Reddit and uh, a guy replied pretty quickly and gave a lot of information. I guess he works for AT&T. And um, he, the, the guy was really good about responding back. And then he ended up saying that he would try to help us out with, uh, with the billing and everything. And then we found out also that he's vacationing in the Detroit area right now. <laughs> yeah. Just tell and him to come said, over. I said, yeah, I said, it's fate. And Alex goes, I don't want to ask the guy to help on his vacation. I'm like, I said, why is he vacationing in Detroit? It's fate. It has to be. No one just goes, yeah, do people vacation in Detroit? Just book a sunny weekend in Detroit. I mean, Detroit. the hotel's got to be cheap or something. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe he's, he's a, maybe he's a, yeah, he could be Canadian. He could be a a museum buff and the Henry Ford's a pretty big attraction. Family in Detroit, right? I guess. Or the DIA, yeah. Anyway, it's funny because it's just and and I've been I've gotten by for like five weeks without internet. So at this point, like I'm so not motivated to finish it, other than the fact that I'm going to be charged a, like a hundred bucks for the modem. And Alex is like really wants to get it done, so it's, yeah. it's funny. Yeah, Plus, we got to play Minecraft with Gojo. Exactly. Next, yeah. So. And but the thing is, it, it's so stupid because it should be so simple. It would be so easy if everything was hooked up like it should be. And yeah. really, we would have pulled it out of the box, plugged everything in, fired it up, and I would have been online in half an hour tops. Yeah. and instead it's like five days later and <laughs> and i have no free time like today is the only day someone could have possibly come out because i have like work work etc and then prepping for the shoot in the next two weeks we have 10 days of shooting on this thing and then that's monday through friday and then i have work at my regular job saturday sunday and then monday through friday and then saturday and sunday so i'm essentially done for the well, next maybe i'll just assume weeks. your identity and stay i was gonna say your... <laughs> if i call someone and they say when i was gonna be like i'll leave i'll give you the key to my apartment and say if you go i don't care i am nick blavelt <laughs> that is me <laughs> do not not look well <clears throat> we'll get it figured out it'll happen yeah. how's college alex how's that going for you <sighs> see all my classes are done that's actually that's the thing that we should talk about for me is the the feeling of this is going to be the first fall. I can already feel the season changing a little bit with the yeah. way it's gotten cooler this week, and I've thought this is this is the first September for the last seven years, so I will not be at Wayne State. Yeah, and uh, it's a very strange. I have very mixed feelings. I almost want to like go down on campus and just walk around just for the feeling of it because it it feels so good down there in the fall, but. I'm so glad I don't have any classes or anything, or I don't work there anymore. My feelings will not awesome. be very mixed at all as soon as I feel as though the next semester is approaching and I have no classes to take. But, yeah, I don't know. It's a long and complicated process. My research... I just have to finish research, and then they'll give me my degree. But Sage. apparently wrong parts got ordered, and it's going to take four weeks to ship them out, so I'm going to miss the deadline to get my degree over the oh summer. But as I said to people... You were Wayne, you were Wayne stated. Yeah, I got Wayne stated you did get pretty, Wayne stated. pretty hard. This is an official shout-out to the Facebook <laughs> meme, getting Wayne stated. 
Which is so true. Yeah. But, I mean... Oh, Wayne. I don't know. I We'll see. It's not like I have a job lined up, although apparently I have a telephone interview tomorrow for some job in Georgia. But All right. Cool. I like Georgia. Georgia's really nice. Georgia could be cool, maybe. You can go watch The Walking Dead get filmed. The Walking Dead? I would Dead. totally go down to Georgia. for Walking Dead. The Walking Dead. The coolest thing about it would be maybe that I'd probably miss it this time around, but if I could go to Dragon Con, you know, at a... That's the big <coughs> comics convention that's down there, but, you know, I'm not... Let's not count those blessings or anything because <laughs> this is just a telephone and I got it was a it was a call from a dude that I have my resume up on like uh monster or something like that and this dude called me last week and he was like hey there's this uh place I think you're a good fit do you want to put my resume in and I was like yeah sure <laughs> and then he called me up today and was like oh well you know they want to do a telephone interview and I was like uh okay well We'll give that a try. So, we'll see how it goes. But you should certainly. demand a, a podcast interview. A podcast interview. Where they, interview they, them. they call right here with the three of us, <laughs> and it's like a cross examination of them and whether or not they're good enough for you. <laughs> yeah. You take well, our Alex away out of the mitten state, then. Well, you better be offering a hefty submarine sign up. Yeah, exactly. There must be a big submarine sign up bonus. I want a Zeppelin sign up bonus. <laughs> the, the big college, you get a Zeppelin. The end of college cycle is something I'm coming up on, and it's something I've heard many horror stories about. Yeah, and, and I think and just trying to find a job. Said it's and, scary. Oh, okay, I see. You know, like end of college is awesome. No, 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 not 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 horror in the sense of, of, of scary. I mean, although there's parts of it that are kind of scary, especially yeah. with the job market. But yeah, but no, no. I mean, the only part that really blows is starting that day when the six months ends and you have to start paying back your student loans. That's yeah. like, that's, that's part of the horror story too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got screwed super hard there though because my I already had one when I took a year and a half off of school just to work. I took one deferment, and I guess that was like my six month grace period, or something. Hmm. So I graduated. school. I graduated from Wayne, and then I have two loan providers. One of them sent me a letter saying, congratulations, your repayment begins on June 1. And I was like, all right, that's fine. The other one never said anything. And the other one is finally calling me after, like, March, and they're like, hey, you're 90 days past due. And I was like, what are you talking about? I just graduated. And they're like, yeah, you already used your six-month grace period. Wow. And I was like, oh, thanks for the notice. Which I'm sure they told me. I'm sure it's one of those situations where they're like, all right, your deferment is all set. By the way, you waive your rights to you for a six-month grace period. So like, and I'm like, <laughs> they had the mic. You were talking to the yeah. micro machines guy. If you agree with the say this, <laughs> that thing of rust development. If you agree with the say, thank you. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah, Buster's uh, yeah. reenlistment. I think that that guy actually in that scene is the world record holder for the fastest talker. Like That's that black funny. dude. I swear, a long time ago when I was probably three a.m. and I was watching Ripley's Believe It or Not with Dean Kane, that guy was on it. <laughs> Somehow I know that. Very nice. Anyway. All right. Well, I think that's enough about uh, depressing college news. But uh, we'll you guys need, both need to watch Kicking, Kicking and Screaming. I'll just say that the Noah, the Noah Bombach. Yeah, I know you've said that before, and I should sit down and watch. It's it. gonna be so relevant. It's gonna. It'll it'll hit good. close it's to home. It's a good movie. Okay. Maybe that can be the first like Nick's taking you bitches to school segment. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah, we can a do film that. that I think is culturally culturally and historically significant. Alrighty, well, we can move on to the film news. Um, first up on the docket, we we got a six-minute trailer. Six minutes, right? 
Five and a half. It's just so. Yeah, so six minute trailer for Cloud Atlas, which is going to be brought to you by uh, Tom Twiker of Run Lola Run and the Wachowskis of The Matrix and Speed Racer. Speed Racer. There's been a lot of, you know, buzz floating around. A lot of people didn't really know what the movie was going to be or, you know, why there were three directors or, you know, things like that. But we got our first real glimpse into the the world that they've been building and I know there's at least one person here who's more than geeked to to take a visit. I mean I'm I just I just really love the trailer. Yeah. I mean I think I am really geeked to see the movie just cuz like like you and I had spoken about the other day um one of the one of the little themes or in in life that I'm really obsessed with is just like I'm I'm an incredibly nostalgic person. Most people who know me well know that and um the idea of of crossing and recrossing the paths you've already taken whether it be in your current life or another life i mean i'm not i don't necessarily believe in reincarnation or whatever but yeah. i think that in in your regular life it's really interesting to think about all the trends and the things you've the places you live now that you maybe didn't know you would before and you know like 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 think of like wayne this semester if i end up on campus for some reason this fall just to go it'd be very interesting to compare with you know in fall of 2004 where i was in my life yeah Oh my god, it's eight years ago now, and uh, you know, walk the same paths and everything, and just think about what how different it is. Like I'm so into that stuff. It's it's weird. So I think the movies the movies themes seem to be pretty clear for anybody who hasn't seen the trailer or doesn't know anything about it. It seems like it's pretty much a story about six different stories that take place over the course of it's got to be like a thousand years or something. Uh, yeah, and it looks like a history. lot of a lot of the same actors yeah. play multiple characters throughout different periods of history and i think the the idea is that they're the same person reincarnated in in some regard um so i think it's it's going to be really interesting i think i'm either going to really love it for for exploring that turf successfully or i'm going to hate it because it was squandered potential but based on the the little early re- review there it sounds like it's it's hitting most of the marks yeah there's I'm, some... i mean i'm 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 has i'm cautiously optimistic because i think the runtime of like two hours and 40 minutes is it's gonna be it's gonna be like a, a new version of Southland Tales, which was a giant mess, but it was really interesting. Yeah, and uh, could have been longer. Well, at least there's not like graphic novels and things to read up yeah, before the movie comes out this time. So. I'll be curious about the novel. Apparently, the the Cloud Atlas novel is pretty popular with some people. And one of the, one of the people on the the there's some early buzz being posted on Slash Film, and somebody said something about how the it's not super faithful to the book, but. It's got like there's a few things that they completely take in different directions or something, but hmm. they they didn't seem as though they were completely disappointed about the fact that it. You know, well, some ca- some directions work better for film and some work better for for a novel. The cast know? is definitely interesting. I mean, when I when I heard Tom Hanks, I was like, huh, because Tom Hanks with the Wachowskis seems an interesting pairing. And then when I saw yeah. him in the trailer, all these multiple Tom Hanks, I was like, you know, it, it does make sense though, because he's easily one of the best actors who's ever lived. Yeah. And, it's interesting to watch him in the more like kind of physical looking moments of the movie, but uh, it's Halle Berry too is kind of surprising because she's kind of fallen off the map. Yeah. Those are the choices like Hugh Grant and uh, a lot of English people in the movie. I, I I'm excited for Jim Sturgis because I liked him since seeing Across the Universe and Twenty One wasn't particularly good, but I think he should, you know, be a bigger force in Hollywood. There's a lot of people that should be bigger. Well, in Hollywood. completely <laughs> true. But I, I think it's exciting 
to no, see I think him again. It's a, it's a cool cast because there's no the the most famous person is Tom Hanks, yeah. and even then he's not like famous to the point where it's annoying. Like, oh yeah. god, another Tom Hanks movie. Damn, another Oscar winning performance. It's not, it's not Ryan through. Reynolds, or <laughs> you know. Yeah, exactly. You know, you can't really get tired of Tom Hanks. All right. Well, you got any thoughts, Willie? I think it looks interesting. I mean, I I don't know. I hope it's not. I'm. I'm. I think visually it looks really cool. I like the. I like the concept of reincarnation. I think it's a cool. Yeah. Whether you believe that or not, I think it's a very cool notion. You know, I like the idea of, mm-hmm. of the fact that there's a reason why people form connections with people in their lives, and maybe that that's because they've met before in a previous. Yeah. It's it's a cool thought. You know, like maybe we all sat around a table at some point. Yes, in our previous drinking lives. mead and well, fight after a battle. With everybody has those those relationships Vikings. in their real life too, where you just meet some people, and all of a sudden there's just clicks. Yeah. There's right. an instant connection with somebody, an unspoken instant connection, and it's. Whether it's you can't explain why that is. Yeah, whether it's friendship or romantic. Absolutely, or and it and it's and sometimes the, sometimes there's relationships that take a long time to build, and other times there's almost an instantaneous thing, and I like that. I like that concept. Um, but it, I'm not gonna lie, looks a little pretentious. <laughs> I, I gotta be honest. Fair enough. It looks a little Terrence Malick. Um, it's such a shame that that word has been associated with a. a well, great I mean, I, I'm not saying <laughs> he's a, I'm not saying he's a bad himself onto the. I'm not saying he's a bad it. filmmaker. I'm just saying that a lot of the marketing for his movies tends to be pretentious. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I the one moment that made me like made my eyes really wide. There's like one of the futuristic worlds <laughs> looks like a cross between the grid from Tron and. Ridley Scott's uh, the like Blade Runner, the the steampunk, yeah, steampunk like kind of neo noir kind of, and I was like, that's kind of a really cool aesthetic. So I'm excited to see what the movie has to offer, and I'm not as soured on the Wachowskis as some people are, but no, I think that I I liked Speed Racer. I know Speed Nick Racer did. Is awesome, it's I actually pretty cool. I haven't watched it yet, so oh, we do really need to. Good. Yeah, we're no. gonna have to do that. But real quick on the on the topic of Cloud Atlas and and sci-fi in general, um, I mean we haven't seen Cloud Atlas yet, but I would be safe to say it's at least trying to be smart science fiction. Yeah. And I think it's. It, I was thinking about this after watching the trailer. Is is we've really had this amazing renaissance of smart sci-fi films in the last ten years or so. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, when you go down the list, it's like Sunshine, uh, Moon, Source Code, Prometheus. Inception. Inception. District Nine. District, District Nine. District Nine. Yeah. Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I think Tron Legacy is smart. I think John Carter is smart. Yeah. I mean, there there have been some vi- Minority Report, even if you want to go a little further yeah, that's back. Yeah, a little further back. But still, I mean, it's it's. I'm and, and we've got a few coming up now. We've got Elysium, which looks pretty cool. There's not much out about it, but it, yeah, but all the buzz it, off of that is ridiculous. Pretty awesome. So. And there's there's, there's yeah. a couple stills, and they look really cool for what they are. Yeah. And and then we've got um, we've also got um, Pacific Rim, yeah, which has insane potential, and now we've got um, this film as well. So yeah. it, it's it's kind of cool. It's, it's just nice as a sci-fi exciting. fan. It's really nice to see that we're kind of. I mean, I'm not saying that there aren't silly. I mean, for every Pacific Rim that's intrig that seems intriguing and interesting, there's also a lockout that is. Which was yeah, fun. Well, no, but, yeah, but I'm, I not, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, bad example. Blackout's good. Okay. I mean, it's there's fun. a Transformers. Okay. Two. There's Titanic two. Okay. <laughs> so, it's it's not that we're Starship completely away from that kind of thing. Yeah. But we're we're kind of getting away from the Independence Day. 
you know, which is a fun movie, but we're getting away from that just silly, bombastic, things yeah, blow spectacle. up, spectacle, one-liners kind of thing, and we're really getting back into, like, kind of where the dawn of sci-fi filmmaking was, back to the 2001s and the Aliens. Planet of the Apes. Yeah, back to back to the, and, and, and in some ways, we're, we're literally going back to them with Rise of the Planet <laughs> oh, of the Apes yeah, and Prometheus. Yeah. But in other ways, we're, we're seeing filmmakers that are taking... Um, well, filmmakers and studios that are sure taking that chances. are willing to take chances and that are willing to to tread ground that may have been tread in a different way. Like, I mean, there's a lot of similarities between Moon and 2001. <clears throat> yeah. If you if you watch them both, yeah. you know, but it's its own film and it it, it does draw some from a, from some of the contemporaries of that that genre. But I don't know. Regardless, it's just really really cool to see things like Cloud Atlas and, and see this renaissance of science I, fiction in time film. to be a sci-fi fan. Oh, absolutely. I completely agree. Absolutely. So, Alrighty. cheers to that. Blade Runner 2. <laughs> yes, Blade Runner 2. Alright, moving on. Um, so next on the list, uh, something that we can talk about a little bit. Uh, we learned this past week that Marvel has Joss Whedon under contract until 2015, and that includes not only overseeing all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 2, which is basically any movies that are coming out between now and The Avengers 2, but also developing uh, an ABC TV show set in the same universe and writing and directing The Avengers 2, or an Avengers sequel of some sort. What do you guys think about Marvel's Nolanification of Joss Whedon? Nolanification, I like that. (laughs) We should should actually get that added to the dictionary. (laughs) A nullification. That's hard to say, so maybe not. But Nolanification. Nolanification. He's that five times fast right now. It'll no. be interesting to see if if <laughs> Nolan actually keeps going with with Warner's because we know he's yeah. in Superman, but whether or not he will actually Justice Godfather League. Or Justice League will be interesting. I don't yeah. think he's going to. I think, I think he they're probably going to waggle a billion dollar paycheck in his face, and he's going to go. Eh, that could. I could that fund could a lot true. of badass original movies of this. Yeah. So I could we'll fund the Inception video game that I supposedly want to make. But as far yeah. as Whedon's concerned with that, I mean, I think it's a given that it's going to be Avengers 2 that he's going to write and direct. That's yeah. going to be the right... Yeah. Uh, they they want that guy back. Yeah. It, the, the, it, the formula worked so well the first time. Why, why change anything? Why change Don't it? fix it. If and I think he'll have a little bit more creative freedom on it, which I think will be good. Yeah. Um... He's at his best when he's not burdened by... Studios. Absolutely. <laughs> Which all, most directors are, but... That's anyway. a whole other discussion. Anyway. Right, exactly. Um, but then there's the... As far as the overseeing phase two, I think we can all agree it's probably script doctoring. Yeah, I think... Like he did with Captain America. I know to, he touched that up a little bit. To unify his vision of the characters in Avengers. Which is very smart. Lean them into the it's, Avengers. It's too. very smart. They're really following the comic book format of, of publication that they do because they've got... You know, you've got your editors for each yeah. each individual section of Marvel Comics, but you've also got Someone the one overseen. guy that oversees the whole deal, and that's very smart. And the TV show, um, there's a few rumors slash speculations slash fan ramblings, all the above, so don't take any of this as gospel, yeah. but um, I've heard a few things. I've heard Scroll Kill Crew, which I highly doubt would ever be an ABC <laughs> show. Um, so I'm going to write that one off real quick. For those that don't know, Skull Kill Crew is basically a really, really gory, brutal story about a bunch of guys that go on a scroll killing spree. It, yeah. Yeah, it's not going to happen. But the one interesting one that I've heard that actually does hold some water, I think, is Agents of Atlas, which is a comic book that features another superhero team. Um kind of a ragtag group like the Avengers or like the upcoming Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. 
but they deal with more um, science-y, kind of weird, out there kind of things. Kind of like almost an X-Files type team. Okay. Or a Fringe type team. Yeah. Um, and it's, I mean, it's it's ridiculous. They've got like a, a, kind of a swashbuckling guy in charge, of course. And then you've got a mermaid, a robot, and a gorilla that can talk. Okay. So, but you know what? I don't, this is all rumors, but yeah. I'm totally down to see a robot and a gorilla <laughs> can talk on the same team with a I mermaid. Would, I would rather they just make Guardians a new TV show and then a movie. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool too. I would rather that, like a full season of the show and then and then leading up to the movie. But that'd be cool too. Just because they work like a, a space A-team, but whatever. Yeah, it could go in a lot of different directions at this it, point. It could be anything. I mean, they canceled the alias. It could be Black Panther. Yeah. The alias, a.k.a. AKA Jessica, Jessica Jones. Jones. Yeah, sorry, I forgot there was an alias TV show already. <laughs> Um, they canceled that pretty much completely, and then I don't think it's Hulk that he's working on because Guillermo del Toro has been all over that. Which I'll be honest, I he's too busy. I don't think. Yeah, just like his video game that just got canned by THQ. I don't think it's ever gonna. happen. I don't think the Hulk TV show is gonna happen anytime soon, or at least not with Guillermo del Toro. But Doctor Strange show could be cool. Yeah, kind of a weekly. It could be. It could be really be anything. Yeah, I mean, it could be anything. I'd be pretty excited if they figured out a way to. Every once in a while, shoehorn some appearances by the bigger players in the movies. Well, there's no reason why you can't get. I I don't think there's any reason why you couldn't get Robert Downey Jr. to show up for a guest spot. Yeah, he's done plenty of TV in the past, yeah. and I don't think he's above TV at this point. No, and, and how much he loves Tony Stark, absolutely. I'm sure he'd be down to. And the same goes for any of the other guys. I mean, Chris Evans could pop up on a guest. I would not be shocked to see Chris Evans pop up on How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> Or to see Chris Hemsworth pop up on How I Met Your Mother yeah. or some of that. Well, that's just an example, but any show. Well, because, you, know. you know, clearly since Robin is part of S.H.I.E.L.D., it would... Uh, it all makes sense. Yeah. It all comes back to How I Met Your Mother. I think the actual uh, presence of Joss as, as Marvel's version is interesting because it's like, like I said to you the other day, he's kind of the anti-Nolan because Nolan is very, like, he wants to make everything gritty, grounded, and he wants to do his own spin of everything. And Joss yeah. seems to be like, let's adapt the comics to the screen. He does. He's not really creating his own universe, and he's not... He's more about um, celebrating what already exists. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think it's kind of an interesting flip, other side of the coin. Yeah. It shows you the two standpoints the companies are taking on Yeah, and I mean, I don't know how much those effects have really rung through through DC. We'll see after Man of Steel comes out, but Green Lantern isn't really a good representation of... No. Because Nolan didn't really touch that at all, but... That's why I don't think Nolan's the right man to Godfather. I don't think because that's Warner's the reason either. that Joss is such a good person for this is because he knows all these characters and he loves them. But something that you said on our pilot episode was that Nolan took up the Batman movie because he thought he could tell an interesting story through it, not because he loves Batman. Right. So you know, it, it'll be interesting to see what comes out of both of their roles mm-hmm. as the overlords. Of I'm really, really hoping DC gets their act together though because they've got. Like they've got some sweet characters that uh, need some some TLC. Need some love. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. There's the we'll potential. See. Um. So now I got a few things that we'll quickly go through. Uh, this one I don't think you guys care about it too much, but this movie was on my top ten most anticipated. Well, it's not a top ten, but my ten most anticipated movies of the year. The Great Gatsby is being pushed from Christmas to summer 2013. I had no Are interest in that movies? movie until I saw the trailer. Are there any movies that come out on time anymore? Well, I mean, it, what's what's what does this say about that movie? Because I mean, Christmas, Christmas is generally a time we got Dragon Tattoo last year, which was weird, and I think they regretted putting it out at Christmas. But 
is this saying that they're more confident in The Great Gatsby and putting it in the summer where it's going to be up against all these big blockbusters? Like that's that's <clears throat> that's my personal opinion on it because I'm just speaking for myself. I'm not. I can't speak for everybody else in the yeah. world, but. I had no interest in seeing Great Gatsby. I've read the book in school. Yeah. I was pretty much forced to read the book in school. Fair enough. And when I saw the trailer, I was like, wow, this actually looks really, really cool and unique yeah. and, and interesting. So I don't know. I, maybe more people felt the same way and maybe they maybe saw they a lot like, of good feedback and they said, getting, you know what? There was a lot of buzz about it online. Let's make some money off this thing. Let's move it, it to the but summer. But really, summer? 3D? summer? Yeah, it's in 3D. Shot in 3D, but... But it's, so it's, I mean, they're not delaying it for a stupid GI Joe. No, reasons. it's not post conversion. I mean, huh. it's it just very be. strange. Like, I don't understand. If it had been the opposite, I mean, we would have known for sure it was that they didn't have any faith. It would have made was, sense. They were putting it in Underworld slot in February when no one cares. I guess it's good that it's that they have faith in it. But my my idea would be putting it in the Hunger Games John Carter slot this past year, where you know, like early mid March, where there's nothing that's really like. But you're kind of revving up for summer. Yeah, so yeah. I I think that would have been a better choice. But hey, I'm not the we'll, one that's we'll in charge of movie theaters. I do think it's movies. weird that we're seeing a lot more films getting moved around with release dates. I mean, as fans of video games, we're used to that. Yeah. Because the video game industry is so quick and fast and loose with release dates, it's yeah. crazy. But with the film industry, you, with the, especially the big stuff, you don't see that like with the GI Joe situation yeah. as much. And it's really shocking that we've seen a lot more of that lately. Than yeah, it's it's I I think with how close of a pulse, like how close we're paying attention to the pulse of the movie business, they're kind of paying more attention to what's getting out there mm-hmm. with respect to news and buzz on the movies, and so they're willing to pull changes like this if they think it's going to make them more money. So which is which is smart on their end, but I hope it doesn't inform. I hope that people on the internet complaining and whining about things doesn't inform too much of what studios yeah. do in the future. It makes me nervous. Well, you know what I mean? we could talk about Mass Effect 3 and how the ending got changed because all the fans hated it, right. but well, that's whatever. a whole other... Yeah, that's a, that's a whole podcast. Look for the Midwest so. Game Players podcast at some point in the future. Um, <laughs> next up on the Quick Hits, I'm pretty excited for the RoboCop remake. Not because I particularly love RoboCop. It's a really cool movie, and I like it a lot, but there's a lot of big names getting thrown around. We got Hugh Laurie as the villain, which has me very excited. Is he playing um, the same villain? Gallagher? Nobody no, because I, I think the script is actually pretty different, so we don't really know where okay. anybody's fitting in. Samuel Jackson is going to be a media mogul of some sort. That's and, cool. And then uh, Michael K. Williams of The Wire and Who's Community always good and many other things. Yeah, he's a very cool guy. Yep. Underrated actor, really. Yeah, he's supposedly up for the part of um, of Alex Murphy's partner. Who which, was female in the original. Yeah, female in the original. So it's clearly they're taking a different direction, but as to what kind of effect that'll have on the story... That's good. Uh, is, is, is Gary Oldman involved, too? Gary Oldman was... At least rumored. I don't remember what he's doing in the film, though. I could have the creator was... of RoboCop. Okay. That's right, that's right. Like the so, lead scientist. That's kind of cool. Um, Dr. The, Frankenstein. I, I actually saw something online um, a couple days back. Somebody had actually gotten hold of the script oh, yeah? for the new RoboCop, and they had said that they hated it, <laughs> which is, I don't know. They, they there, were, there were some tweets that the person had made about it and saying that for some reason they turned RoboCop into a Transformer. Like he has a battle mode and a 
civilian mode or something. So like when he huh. walks into a crime scene, he transforms into his battle mode. I don't know. I uh, who knows at this I, point. I don't know. That could have been like an old draft or. It sounded really strange, and it's not the direction I feel like they would go with it. But well, we'll see. The cast looks like it's shaping. It up looks awesome. Well. Yeah. So I'm totally down, and I like the director. So maybe they'll shoot it here, and we can <laughs> meet Hugh Laurie. That's one thing he said is there's a scene a scene in the script where they construct a statue of Robocop in Detroit. <laughs> good. And I was like, that <laughs> yeah, would be really funny good. if that was a nod to that whole thing. Yeah. yeah that'd be good. That'd be good. Alright, um, so next up, we got a little more comic book news here. Christopher Eccleston is replacing Mads Mikkelsen and Thor The Dark World, which I guess not necessarily replacing, but Mads Mikkelsen stepped down to be Hannibal on the new uh, mm. Hannibal TV series that's going to be on in the fall. But what do you guys think? You want a little Doctor Who in your Thor? I don't mind a little Doctor Who. Um... I'm so tired of Doctor Who and I don't even watch it. <laughs> overtaking the internet. Um, no, I like I like Christopher Eccleston. He's he's a great villain. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe not. He was actually pretty good in GI Joe for what he had. I mean, he was all right. But anyway, he's 20 days later. Yeah. His his character yeah. in 20 days later is so so terrifying yeah. in such a subtle way. And um, I think he'll do a good job with Malekith. Um. I really like Mads Mikkelsen, though. I love Mads Mikkelsen. Mikkelsen's a way cooler, more exciting choice, but what are you going to do? Eccleson's, yeah. Eccleson's good. Stuff comes up. Yeah, so. but then again, I think there were there could have been way more exciting choices for Odin in the first Thor. Very true. Very and Anthony true. Hopkins was a very safe choice, yeah. but he brought that movie, he brought that, you know, brought it's that funny to life. So. Eccleson replaced, uh, oh, what's his name? Somebody Kevin from Destro. James or James Durand or... Something like yeah, the guy the guy who was supposed to play Destro couldn't do it because mm-hmm. his green card didn't clear or something like that. So they Eccleston replaced him, and now he's replaced him as Mickelson. He's the go-to guy for villainous yeah, replacements. Yeah, really. Interesting. He's the replacement villain. <laughs> Autobiography. The Good replacements time. was all about Keanu Reeves and Christopher Eccleston replacing people. And, and said Keanu. Yes. All right, and then finally for the news. Um, the X-Men First Class sequel has been confirmed to be X-Men Days of Future Past by producer Brian Singer. So, uh, if you guys could please give a little background as to what it's Days of way Future Past too is. Much to talk about. <laughs> well, I mean, just give like a little, you know. Days of Future Past was written in the 80s, I believe, the early 80s, by so. Chris Claremont, who is X-Men the X-Men God. writer. Yeah. I mean, he's really, I mean, don't get me wrong, Stanley created them, but... Chris Claremont perfected Claremont, them. Yeah, absolutely. And the Claremont... I, I mean, except for the fact that Joss Whedon is the X-Men writer. I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's really good, too. But but Claremont was Claremont. the... Claremont and John Byrne work, working together was the best. But anyway, it's a, an alternate future story that takes place in the main X-Men series. This is before they did all sorts of miniseries and spinoffs and things okay. like that. And basically the idea is that the Sentinels have taken over, and they've... The mutant killing machines for have those taken over. There, yeah, the robotic mutant hunting machines, and um, they have. It's a very um, dystopian future. There's very few mutants left. There's very few people left, really, and they're h- systematically hunting them down. And um, it's it's not where I expected them to go with the sequel. Yeah, but. Yeah, it's a really bold and exciting choice. I mean, it's, it's a, a really bold and exciting choice. I'm. I was hoping they were going to jump forward in time, but not that far. I'm particularly excited if this is them completely distancing themselves from 
the original X-Men films. If this is them just being like, okay, we had those nods to the others in, in X-Men First Class, but now we're just going to well, go in our own direction and mm-hmm. not try to meet up with Patrick Stewart and, and Ian McKellen on the other side. Yeah. The reason it's so such a strange choice is... Um... I mean, they spent a whole movie, they spent X-Men First Class establishing all these mutants and stuff, and most of them are probably going to be dead in Days of Future Past, yeah. unless this group at the beginning of the movie goes forward in time as a group. Hmm. Possible. But, I mean, I think it's exciting because a lot of my favorite X-Men characters and storylines involve all the time travel. Like, if Cable shows up, I'm an S of B. But... Um, <laughs> it's it's such a weird choice it's very weird for i would have thought maybe a third movie thing but who knows well yeah i mean we'll we'll see it who knows what kind of shape it'll take maybe they're just kind of taking the namesake and yeah it could it could going yeah. elsewhere but i mean maybe it'll be days of future past in name only and it'll basically be during the 70s or during the 80s the government goes on a mutant killing spree. yeah if i see wolverine in the movie well, I mean, even there were just some comments I today. I would rule it out. <laughs> there were some comments yeah. today that he they were... He plays heavy into that story. He does. They were supposedly, like, Hugh Jackman saying that the Wolverine is quite standalone, standalone and yeah. distan- distancing from X-Men Origins Wolverine. Although, well, Hugh Jackman said a lot of things about X-Men Origins Wolverine. Yeah. that <laughs> He's broken more promises to me <laughs> than any woman ever did. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, but it, the potential... For for a very cool, almost Blade Runner ish futuristic X Men tale is there. So I hope that they they either need to really really do it in name only and make it its own thing that has some relevance to the title Days of Future Past, yeah. or they need to go balls to the wall and really just go there and do the the Sentinel thing. They can't. I mean, Sentinels are awesome. I've been waiting to see Sentinels on screen forever. Sure, and you did in uh, X-Men no. 3, no. The Last Stand. Okay, I'm going to get upset if you keep talking <laughs> about X-Men movies. Saw the head of one. It wasn't even, uh, it was a piece of metal. It didn't even look like a face. Okay. Yeah, well. Moving on. Anyway, so we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to hop into our review of The Born Legacy. We'll clearly mark spoilers for you, but uh, other than that, stay tuned. So this week we're going to be reviewing The Bourne Legacy, which is directed by Tony Gilroy, somebody who's written the previous three Bourne films, uh, starring Jeremy Renner, not as Jason Bourne, but as Aaron Cross, somebody who's in a similar program to Treadstone from the previous uh, Bourne films. And uh, acting opposite of him is Rachel Weiss, and you've got a couple other people in there, like Stacey Keach and Edward Norton as government types and things like that. So uh, I figured I'd open it up to you guys, maybe talk a little bit about uh, where you stand in the series of Bourne films, and then go into just some general thoughts about what you thought of the movie. Um, <clears throat> I have only seen, previous to this, I've only seen Bourne Identity, and I saw it back when the movie came out on DVD, yeah. and uh, I I liked it. I mean, I it's been a while since I've watched it. Um, it would have been like what, like o two, o three? It probably it was, came out on think, DVD and VHS. And I was in high school. It yeah, definitely did. Yeah. And um, I liked it. 
I don't remember being blown away by it or anything. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a fun, action-y type movie. I thought it was, like, the closest thing to, to like, a, a James Bond that there has been that wasn't James Bond. Yeah. Um, <coughs> so that was interesting. I, I, it's not that I didn't like it. That there, there's no specific reason why I didn't see the sequels. I just didn't see them. Yeah. You know. It wasn't a priority. Right. It wasn't on the top of my, my uh, mental instant cue, you know. And, uh, but yeah, I, I liked the first one enough. Um, so not too much knowledge as far as the Bourne lore, okay. which doesn't help with this movie. Okay. If you haven't seen the other Bourne movies, you should probably watch them before you watch Bourne Legacy, because I think it would help. Um, I was definitely a little lost, especially early on in the movie. Once the action starts ramping up, I felt a little more comfortable with yeah. what was going on. Um, but... I don't know if that, you guys can probably clarify for me when you talk about it, but I don't know if that was because of my lack of knowledge of Bourne stuff, or maybe it was just the movie itself. Regardless, I was a little lost the first half hour. I had to kind of find my footing a little bit. Um, As far as this one's concerned, eh, I mean, I, I don't know. It didn't, I didn't think the plot was particularly thrilling. It didn't really suck me in. I didn't, I mean, I didn't. Everybody does a good job. I mean, Renner does a good job, and Vice does a good job. All the, all everybody, but nothing about his predicament or his series of of obstacles kept me wanting to see what would happen next or wanting like rooting for him. And I've heard that that's how you feel in the other Bourne movies. You're kind of rooting for Jason Bourne, like, yeah. come on, man, get him, you know. Yeah. And I didn't feel that in this one. Um, it's a well-made movie. It just didn't didn't suck me in like I was hoping it would. Um, and even the action, like, there's there's not a ton of action set pieces, but the ones that are there, I don't think they do anything that new or exciting for the genre. I don't think that they do anything that... I mean, for instance, when I watched Ghost Protocol, mm-hmm. which I also didn't see in theaters, that was one I was actually disappointed about that I didn't catch. But when I watched it on Blu-ray, I felt like pretty much every action set piece in that movie was unique in some way. You know, um, there's a cool action scene in the sandstorm when they... Mm-hmm. And it was just very unique. There was there were very unique scenarios and reactions to those scenarios in that movie. And I'm not saying these are similar movies. I mean, Mission Impossible is much more... Not fantasy, but it's a lot more over the top. Than, yeah. A lot less grounded in reality than the Bourne movies. Yeah, absolutely. But... I wanted to see something more from the action than just your usual chase sequence, or I don't know. I it, it didn't blow me away or anything. I I wouldn't watch it again. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, that's that's about it. Without getting into into spoiler territory, <laughs> we'll get there. <clears throat> so, all right, Nick, what do you think? Um, I've seen all the Bourne movies. I've seen the I've seen the trilogy probably. I just marathoned them again and watched both of them last night till the wee hours of the morning. And uh, I've seen them all probably about three times. And the gap between my probably my most my most recent viewing I just did and the time before that has probably been like years, yeah. like probably like five years. So it was definitely interesting watching them, uh, watching them now. Uh, with a little bit, a little bit older, a little more perspective on having seen a lot more action and thriller movies, because when when Born Identity came out, it was kind of unique. Yeah. And now there's been a lot of imitators of that, and that whole aesthetic found its way into James Bond and everything. So, mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, but 
As far as, what am I, what am I talking about? Legacy or just or where I'm at with the blind? Well, just uh, what you thought of the first three and then go into right. Legacy. Um, well, the first three with my rewatch, I would say um, I like the second one way better than I remembered liking it before, and I liked the third one way less. Hmm. And I like, if I was going to give them numerical, I mean, out of, out of 10, I'd give the first one an 8, solid 8, uh, the second one probably a 7, 7.5, and the third one probably a 6. Um but I think the I think the first two are really strong and they work together as like a, a an initial movie and its sequel. And I I read afterwards that they had planned on ending it there because they end it in such a way that they wanted to close it off. And then they're yeah. like, oh, mm, through the third movie, please. <laughs> and they were like, oh, okay. And the third one, they they kind of wove the they wove the ending of the second one into the third one in a really interesting way. Yeah. But the third one really kind of lacked a definitive strong story. It kind of wandered around a little more and. I don't know. There were, there were parts of it I really liked. I think the action in the third one is fin- absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. It's, and I think it's it's probably shot the best. Because the second one, the shaky cam, goes a little too nuts. And the third one, I feel like they rained it down a little bit. <laughs> a little. But the, I, I think it's a really strong trilogy. I think that it doesn't really... It's Usually we, we always think of trilogies having that third installment. It's just an utter pile yeah. of just everything horrible in a movie. But the third one is, is still a strong movie. I like it a lot. I, I like the ending a lot. I remember seeing it in the theater and holding my breath at the ending there when he falls into the water, and I was like, yep. "Oh, he's dead! Is it, or is he?" And then when you see him struggle and swim away, it's it's good. <laughs> so uh, as a spoiler for one three, um, <laughs> I, I owe Willie like a thousand spoilers anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> but um, yes, as, as far as my my brief thoughts on the fourth one, I get into spoilers. I was pretty disappointed by it. Um, and I was I was totally rooting for it. I was totally open to the idea of another character exploring a kind of parallel story, um, but it didn't parallel quite enough for me to think that it was even necessary for it to parallel at all. It kind of was less like, "Up, oh, see, it was happening during Born," and I was like, "Okay." <laughs> but it, the first, the first, one of my other friends, I was texting about it the night the night before, and they said they said they didn't like it either, and I was like, "Really." And without telling me why, you know, I just was curious, or without hearing too much, and they they literally just said, "I'll just say this: tell me when you think the movie actually starts," which was the best possible description. Because I was sitting in it today in the theater, just going, "Any day now, I can start caring." Because it's yeah. it's a solid like thirty minutes. It felt like, if not even a few more, before I was like, "Oh, all right, here we go. There's a movie starting." Because so that wasn't just me being uninvested because I didn't know what was going no, on. No, like, I actually, and being with you was interesting because in the back of my mind, I was, you know, when you watch movies with other people who have or haven't seen it before, it changes your uh, your yeah, mindset does, a little bit. Sitting next to you, like, I leaned over to you at one point. I mean, like, an hour and, like, 40 minutes into the movie, I leaned over to you and I was like, I don't know what's going on either. Because this movie's plot was just, uh, I don't even know. <laughs> the whole time, I was like, where is this going? It was just very, very weirdly direct. And I, I think... Everyone in it is like you said. I liked everyone in it. I thought Rachel Weisz and and Jeremy Renner were a pretty good pairing, actually. Which I when I when I found out it was her, I was like, that's kind of a weird choice. But um, they were good. Everyone in it's good. Um, it suffers from the same really ham-fisted government people talk that I think the other three totally do. Yeah. Like all the government people in charge are always trying to outquip the others. <laughs> There's always like that that line, those scenes where they have to argue with each other try to prove whose dick is bigger and then there's always the inevitable scene where they're in a room with a bunch of lackeys and they go everyone clear the room and the lackeys just look at them yep. and wait for one of them to go get out <laughs> or start walking now and then everyone scrambles out i'm like does this have to be in every movie but yeah i would say overall i'd give it like a probably a six um 
even the action wasn't that spectacular, and I, I wanted to see more of it, though, because it was cool to see someone besides Matt Damon doing it, but it was kind of, I don't know. It was cool to see somebody new, but at the same time, it was very similar type of action, so yeah. I was kind of like, eh, and I don't know. It was it was all right. Like Willie said, I don't know if I'd watch it again in a rush or ever, because I think the, the Bourne, the previous three are a really solid trilogy that's really fun to watch, and who knows? I mean, I think there's there's potential. The groundwork was really laid for something very cool. And they, they, they introduced enough new elements that I'm kind of intrigued by it. Um, but I think at this rate, uh, the only way I would really be looking forward to a sequel is if the two agents, uh, being Matt Damon's Jason Bourne and Jeremy Renner's character, team up to try to do something. Because we have yet to see two agents work together. Yeah. They're fighting each other throughout all three movies, yep. more or less. But I think it'd be pretty spectacular uh, stuff if we had two of them working together, putting their heads together. So <clears throat> I think that that's the, really the only hook that's going to get me in for another at this point. Fair enough. But I, I, I really love Jeremy Renner, and uh, I think he was good in it. And I, I think he's definitely elevated himself to leading man status if he wants it. Um because he's got a lot of team player things going on lately, but mm-hmm. you know we'll see. I mean, he proved that with Hurt Locker anyway, though. Yeah. But this kind of showed he can he can hang up there. So yeah, it wasn't a it wasn't a waste. <laughs> what a ringing endorsement. <laughs> uh, Just to be honest. <laughs> so I have a lot of respect for the Bourne films. I felt as though they were substantially more intelligent than a lot of the action thrillers that you oh, had sure. out there back in the day and a lot more grounded in the sense like you know mission impossible is pretty over the top and i like mm-hmm. the grounded sense that the Bourne movies take to it so are a lot of the bond i mean the pre pre daniel craig <laughs> james bond movies yeah like golden eyes and die another day it's always you know yeah. aston martin's going over cliffs and explosions and things but like that but it's like nick was saying the the Casino Royale was kind of informed a little bit by uh, yeah, Bourne. So. Yeah, totally. So, um, I, I like that you use that word intelligent because, like, it actually kind of focuses on putting the intelligence back in central intelligence. Like, yeah, it's there's there's intriguing story, especially in the first one. Like in Born Identity, it's it's really interesting. Well, that's the thing is that they managed to make three at least three movies though, out of those ones. If those are what I'm only talking about right now, three movies where. I was invested in the parts where there was even just talking going on, which is not something that you look for in an action movie, and I thought that was a pretty unique approach. And so, um, yeah, I, I I liked Identity a lot. Supremacy was also really good. Ultimatum was was also... I think Ultimatum is probably... Uh, the first one and Ultimatum are my two are the top two for me in the series. But other than that, um, The Born Legacy, I enjoyed it quite a bit. And hearing you guys talk about it, I can understand all of all of the th- problems that you guys had with it. And yeah, the first, the first uh, half an hour or so, it certainly takes a while for it to be like, when... When are we gonna get to a point where we know what's going on with the story, and then it finally will start moving forward? But because I had watched Ultimatum so recently, I was I was very interested in seeing how they weaved it in with with Ultimatum, and it's not really played to any effect where it affects the story at all. 
And, you know, you get a few shots of Jason Bourne, like, on the news. You see his headshot, and I remember thinking, you know... There's that same headshot hanging yeah. away from the first movie. Yeah, and, and, and <laughs> it, could there be some Matt Damon going on? But we, you know, we'll talk about that later. But I... The... the It didn't weave itself as geniusly as I hoped it would, but that said, I enjoyed Jeremy Renner in the role a lot. And I felt as though... Even though it's pretty ham-fisted government talking, like you said, it's it was still something where I felt like there was a lot of suspense in this one, which was fairly masterfully done, and we can get into specifics later on, but that's something that I think it carried over from, from the first three, and... I don't think we had any particular scenes like the train station in, in Ultimatum where you really see the intelligence of, of the series that come, like coming through, which is a disappointment. But I still enjoyed the movie, and it ultimately does feel like a stepping stone to something happening later on that I will be more interested in. But um, Almost everybody in it did really well. I didn't quite believe Rachel Weiss about... Yeah. There's there's one particular scene where yeah. she's freaking out, and yeah. I was like, this doesn't... Yeah. She's not selling me on it. No. She should be freaking out as a character, but she doesn't sell me yeah. on it. No. But, <laughs> you know, I love Edward Norton, and I was okay with seeing Edward Norton here, and Stacey Keach is also pretty awesome. So, yeah. I mean, the there's Keech. there's some interesting stuff that goes on, but it's it's... Ultimately, I think it's probably not as good as the first three. Mm. So, um, with that being said, I think we want to get into some specifics. So, if you don't want to hear any spoilers for The Born Legacy, then uh, give it, you know, stop here, and we'll be right back. So, we're now in spoiler territory. Like I said, if you don't want to hear anything about the Boy and Legacy that you don't already know from trailers, then get out of here. But Willie, what what do you get out of here? <laughs> give us a little more insight Run away. into Tim your Long, stop listening. Run away. <laughs> give us a little more insight into your your born legacy experience. Um, Were you born again? I, I wasn't. I was not born again. Um, <laughs> I feel like that's a funnier die sketch waiting to happen. By born the way, again. But anyway. Um, There's a lot of funny. No, when there. getting into specifics with this movie, um, there are a few things that stick out as negative qualities and positive. First of all, the things that that I found kind of distracting or, or obnoxious were the Rachel Vice thing, um, yeah. and it wasn't as much I felt her acting as it was. There's a scene. Where they are standing out or standing outside of a car and sitting in a car and then back outside of a car, where they're <laughs> they're conversing, kind of conversing, mostly just talking over each other yeah. about the situation they're in yeah. and how Jeremy Renner needs the pills that will keep his brain from shorting out basically, and um, it, it just. Uh, they just go on and well, on I th- and on I think and on. The weird thing is... It was beating that... a dead horse, like, after it was already dead, like, well, and yeah. then reanimated, and then they beat it again. <laughs> yeah, the, mm, 
It was beating a dead horse, but the weird thing is, it's like they spend the first half of the movie with with Aaron Cross being like really needing these chems, and you don't understand why. And like that's, you can, that's another you problem. can take a guess. You can be like, okay, well, you know, there's is it he, he relies on them for something, but right. It's not until after the scene that you just talked about where they're getting in the car. And it and makes I, him look like a drug addict. Uh, yeah, it doesn't make sense yeah. because I'm I'm. You know, they show you little flashbacks here and there, but you don't really get... Uh, I think it's safe to assume through the flashbacks that he suffered some sort of injury yeah. in the military yeah. that's made his brain not weird. jelly, but kind of not where it needs to be. And the drugs help him become more than that. Yeah. So if he falls off the drugs, he's going to revert back to what he was when he was in that sanitarium or whatever he was in. Yeah. Was and hospital. military hospital, yeah, where he wanted to stay because he was so whacked out. Yeah, that's great, and that's actually a really interesting driving force when it's used properly, because you can really feel for somebody who the only way they can maintain, and in his case survive, is by having that drug. But we didn't know that until like yeah. well, well after that point. Slappily, slappily written onion and unpeeled the wrong way. It was. <laughs> yeah. It was. And, and it's like you placed an explosive in the onion. To try and peel it, and then it, trying to pick didn't, up the it didn't work yeah, out. Yeah. It didn't work out, and and that it makes it makes that scene, all those scenes with them bickering about getting chems. the drugs, very the chems, very, the chems, yeah, and very, very strange tedious to hear and him say it for the eleventh time. Mm-hmm. The chems, yes, the chems. I don't know, over and over and over again. <laughs> the chems. And there was another scene. What's in the bag? <laughs> what's the What's in the bag? <laughs> what's the? I'm thinking the Nicholas Cage. There was another um another scene that felt similarly tedious um. And you were talking about the suspense and the the feeling of tension earlier, yeah. which he does do very well in, in dialogue and in moments. You know, some something bad is going to happen in certain scenes of dialogue, like when Rachel Weisz's character is sitting with those two government agents. Yeah, you yeah. know something horrible is about to happen, yep. but you don't know who it's going to be that makes the horrible move or where it's going to come from. Yeah, and that's very well done. It, it was very cool. Something that wasn't necessarily present in that form in the previous movie. And that's very good. That's very unique and very interesting, and and it works really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it goes on for too long. Again, I felt like that was a scene that it was like, okay, they're sitting here interrogating her for how like ages. It was, it was a long scene. But it doesn't even feel as though their <laughs> motives are so completely unclear because sometimes it. You know, they're supposed to be grief counselors or whatever. Sure. And then she starts talking about the situation, and you start to realize that they're obviously there to get something, but you still don't know why or what or what the whole point is. Yeah. But yeah, it seemed at first they were there to just see if she had talked to anybody yet. But yeah. I was like, they're just going to kill her. I mean, it hasn't... I don't know. But Hasn't anybody like, learned anything I, I think, in the born yeah, world? Yeah. Like Willie said, it just went went on for way yeah. too long. It just went on and on and on, and, and you know the. But as far as positive aspects of it, I think Jeremy Renner makes a fantastic. I mean, like I haven't seen Supremacy or Ultimatum, but I thought Matt Damon did a great job in Identity, and I I'm assuming he does just as great, if not better, a job yeah, in, the, in the sequels. And I think that he has at least proven himself as a worthy successor to that. And if, if the studio decides they want to continue on, I think it would be neat for them to do something where they do uh, a different actor in a Bourne-type role for each few movies. Yeah. You know, it's almost a James Bond-type thing with yeah. a little more, you know, each one's its own trilogy. It, it could be cool. It could be really cool. That being said, uh, he's a fantastic hand-to-hand fighter. I think he, he looked convincing when he was 
taking out guards and everybody pretty much. Yeah. And there during that chase scene at the end, probably my favorite moment in the movie was when uh, Rachel Vice kicks the the assassin's motorbike out underneath <laughs> yeah. him, and he basically hits a pillar and yep. breaks in half. It was <laughs> pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That's very pretty light on the action for. Pretty late on the action movie. for a born oh, movie, which the, the beginning, the survivalist stuff was actually very intense. Yeah, and I I enjoyed that that giving it. I think giving that a little more context would have been better. Would have been. You wouldn't have huge. been struggling through that first half an hour thinking. Yes. Why is he there? What's going on? Why do I care about him? Yeah, because yeah. they said it said in the opening text in the corner there that it was a training. Facility yeah. or yes. training area. And yeah. I was like, so is he a trainee? And if he makes it out of here, he's okay. Yeah. yeah. It was never really clear. But what then he gets he was to doing the cabin with Oscar Isaac, and he's yeah. like, "How long you been one of us, huh?" And I'm like, "So wait, Renner's been around the block for a while." Like, yeah. It, it, I don't know. It was. It, it was, was some weird. sort of disciplinary action, and it, like, what did he Which do? Which I thought was and... an interesting idea, but I was like, since when did the government start like slapping its agents on their wrists instead of just killing them. <laughs> yeah. It seemed like the 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 way the agencies were established in the they previous three from Bond Jason movies. Bourne. Just... I don't know. In the previous three Bourne movies, I think I said Bond. My yeah. bad. Bourne. Uh, it was pretty clear that if somebody screwed up, you were <laughs> you were executed pretty fast. So you were in for the dirt net. Yeah. So I was surprised that they would do this with these agents. I mean, Maybe that... if you're gonna funnel millions of dollars into making them these killing machines. But at the same time, I I just thought it was very weird. I mean, because Renner's good at playing that kind of cocky, surefire character, which he kind of was in this too, and at least in his dialogue with with the other agent, but uh, or operative, whatever they called him. But I was like, would the government really just like discipline this guy instead of knowing he could just get annoyed? Because he he kind of walked into the into this movie with the attitude that Jason Bourne kind of developed over the course of a movie or two of that. This agency kind of sucks, and they kind of... Because Bourne's arc doesn't super complete until at the end of the third Bourne movie when he echoes that same line that Clive Owen says to him in the first one, where he says, look what they do to you, look what they make you give. Yep. It was kind of That was kind of his like final line in saying, like, I've completely completed my arc here with Treadstone, and I know that it's just like the worst thing ever, and they turn us into machines, and that's not good. And Renner kind of seemed to walk into this movie with that attitude already, like, do you ever think that the... He had some line to the effect of, like, they're controlling us and telling us what to do, and you know, and there do might be a reason for him. Thing. There might be a reason for him feeling that way. I mean, they show. And he a did say bit he went that. off the grid for four days, and they never explained what what that meant, what he did. Well, they show a little bit of a flashback with him and Ed Norton. Yeah. And and Ed Norton had made him do something that was despicable, and, and yeah. obviously he was jaded to a certain extent. And, and maybe they'll explore that. Maybe they're waiting to explore some of that in a in the future in, a, 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 in the next film or whatever, but. The problem is that you have a main character who's fresh for fans of the series, who you need to learn to like very quickly because it's a very jarring thing to have your protagonist be completely changed. Yeah. Even if he is similar to Jason Bourne. But when the driving force of the entire movie, when his entire his entire motivation is to get some pills, it's not that. I don't no, feel. No, I'm sick of all. I'm sick of like the Hollywood like we're building up to the payoff in the second movie bullshit because it's like just give me an awesome deep quick character arc in one movie. Let's make one awesome movie. Yeah, it's like Pirates of the Caribbean is a classic example. The first Pirates of the Caribbean movie was was so good, and mm-hmm. it just had it had all these perfect little mini arcs for all these characters, and it was 
very solid all-around movie. Mm-hmm. And then they made these sequels that were kind of bloated it's, and it's unnecessary. back-to-back sequels that are the real... Because they feel <laughs> as though they're making one whole movie out of two, and that's never a satisfying movie And they just... They didn't, they didn't have all this... They laid some interesting groundwork in the first Pirates, and then they kind of addressed it in the sequels. But it wasn't... It was stuff you were happy without. And in this movie... I mean, you raise a good point. Maybe we'll learn more about why Aaron Cross was already kind of jaded by the time this movie came around. But yes. at the same time, I'd rather know in this movie and then move forward. I feel like you can show a, a good a good chunk of why he is the way he is without revealing everything. With, with, with you know, you don't have to play your whole hand. You can. I don't know. I just I didn't think that it wasn't Jeremy Renner, but I didn't feel like the protagonist was that. I didn't feel any reason to really care about his plight. And I know that they wanted us to. Yeah. But it was a uh, and the whole the whole chems, the whole your a couple of your chromosomes have been altered, kind of sci fi ish angle to this one was not entirely unwelcome, but kind of kind of t- I think... kind of took away from the fun of the originals. Because the originals it was just that Jason Bourne is the biggest badass on the block and yep. that's just the way it is. He's a normal man who's undergone extreme training and he has a lot of a lot of gumption, that's why he's awesome. And he just happens to be the best, and it's like, well, if we're if we're getting into like some some genetic splicing here and all kinds of weird, who knows what, you're getting into territory that kind of gets away from the heart of the original. I would be okay with the genetic splicing if we never had to deal with the chems. Yeah, well, they she explained it in a way that was somewhat plausible. It wasn't a, they weren't superhumans, but she said you're you're basically your muscles work more efficiently and you're a little bit smarter. But at the same time, it kind of takes away from the good old fun of just Jason Bourne's a really smart guy and he's fun to watch. Well, yeah, but I and there's an interesting point about that that they brought up on the Totally Rad show that I'll get around to. But I just I felt as though if we didn't have the chems in this movie, then it was a weird plot device. I feel as though yeah, it's a very strange plot device that I feel like they could have done without and maybe substituted it for something that would have been more informative towards. The born legacy, like, or possibly if they really wanted to continue with that thread of him needing the needing the chems and then eventually virusing out or whatever to make it yeah. permanent in the system, that might have been something cool to introduce in like a second or third installation yeah. with him, where he's finally over this dependency. Yeah, and uh, it would have been cool to see him scrambling for this chem for a movie or two, but whatever. I but one thing that was super weird. In this movie, that made things confusing. I think for new and for old viewers alike, was just the the mingling of agencies started to get really crazy. And I was like, how um, many different Treadstone agencies? Outcome Blackbriar? <laughs> yeah, Blackbriar, Golden Rocket, uh, Golden Rusty Rocket. Bucket, uh, <laughs> just <laughs> crazy Rusty Bucket agencies. And I'm like, so how many different super secret groups of assassins are there? Because like, and and. You know, they they said in the early on in the movie that Aaron Cross belonged to a different group that was was he a black He was an outreach. Was he a black briar or what? He was outcome. I outcome, think. outcome. So there's another program. See I didn't even know that until just See, now. They, they introduced think... another program too in the end though, which felt kinda weird, with the the Asian assassin, the guy from Predators. Yeah, yeah he was the like, Larks three. Larks yeah, three was like <laughs> another and it was very strange because it's like, wait, aren't you guys trying to shut all this down to protect your own asses? Now you've got these guys ones. over here making new ones. Well, like, what are you doing? The the thing is is that that was a project that was supposed to like it, it was just starting and it wasn't one that could be led back to through because it was on foreign soil or whatever. Yeah, like well, because you know the whole thing in the third movie, they're worried about a treadstone uh, blowout 
because the uh, there's a reporter in in the UK that's going to do a tell-all about right. Treadstone. Shot in the head at the beginning. Yes, and Treadstone, Treadstone, I believe, is underneath Blackbriar, which is the um, umbrella above all of these different systems that are in place to create. That's it's what like I... I'm losing track if we're talking of Game of Thrones families or, <laughs> or government agencies. This is like a video game like chronology. Like this is Metal Gear Solid now. I mean, yeah. it, was just, it got confusing, and then I thought if they're different agencies, like when he saw Jason Bourne's name, all those agents' names carved into the bunk, I was like, this is weird. Like, if they're different agencies, why are they using the same super secret cabin? And I, they they're not like... even. It's not even that they're different agencies. They are different protocols for making these super secret weapons. It was kind of a neat nod that Bourne was there, but I was like, are these guys all f- Boy Scouts at fifth grade camp? Like, it yeah. was kind of weird. I'm like, what are they doing carving their names? In yeah. They should be carving their names into people's faces. Not but like- if that's the training grounds, then yeah, that's where the... <laughs> all the rookies are. That's where the rookies start out. And- the true mark of a master I, just, I thought it was interesting, because I mean, these are... That's true. If it's a training area that Oscar Isaac has to babysit... Um, I don't know. That was the moment, though, where I thought the movie finally actually kind of started. It was when that yeah. drone rocket went in there. I was like, finally, something. Yeah. But I loved, totally loved the opening shot of his silhouette in the water kind of mirroring, and then that Bourne theme kind of crept in for a second. Yeah. I was like, this is a cool nod. We'll That's, see where this is going to go. I, I, This was the first time that I really felt the score weaved through all four of the movies, yeah. which I think is awesome. And like that, that beginning was cool. And then when it started cross-cutting with David Strathairn and them, I was... Like, everything, the whole introduction of Edward Norton's character, everything leading up to the actual, all right, we need to send a missile to blow these guys up, was totally, I would say, you don't even need it in the movie. Like, when they were showing Albert Finney's character in the YouTube video, I was like, what purpose does this, like, serve? It really didn't... And then he dies. Yeah, it was just fluff. Like, they could have easily trimmed the fat. And I think that the real problem, the beefs with the movie for me... are solely based on the fact that Tony Gilroy wrote and directed. Because clearly he wants to expand this universe and this lore that he's created, but if he's directing it too, there's nobody to keep him in check and say, we need to trim the fat a little, we need a leaner picture. Because this movie is 2 hours and 15 minutes long, and it could have been 145. Easily. And like that's the one thing I, I can kind of appreciate more about the Paul Greengrass once now is he knows how to make a good taut thriller. Because when I was watching, I mean, last night I was watching Supremacy and Ultimatum, two movies I've seen before. I watched them back to back until like 4.30 in the morning. And I was intrigued the whole time. Yeah, And that says a lot. Like two movies I've seen before that I'm watching way late at night when I should be in bed. And, you know, they're they're fun to watch and they keep you going. Absolutely. Like you said, the Waterloo scene and the third one is so cool. It's brilliant. And it just keeps you, they, 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 they have that string and the carrot and they just keep pulling you along. Like, hey, check yep. it out. And Supremacy, although I, like I said to you, the, the, the final scene in Supremacy was born talking to that girl. I was like, this is so, what a dick move. Yeah. <laughs> this girl whose parents he killed <laughs> eight years ago or whatever. He's gonna hey, go, I killed your parents. Yeah, your mom didn't <laughs> shoot your dad and kill herself. Don't worry. Now you don't have that on your conscience. All right, I'm out. Like, <laughs> you're, you're 18 now. You've gotten over it through years of probably therapy and leading on. Now I'm going to bring back. it back to the surface for you. <laughs> Just so you know, I feel better about myself now. I gotta go. Like, Fair I enough. was like, whoa, Jason Bourne, yeah. what a dick. <laughs> Not that that has anything to do with this movie, but I thought that was that was funny, because it was the first time I've, I was stopped rooting for a character for a minute, and I was like, hey, maybe you should just... And it's interesting, too, considering the theme in this movie of like being a sin eater, like Edward Norton brought up. He said, we are sin eaters. That's our job, is to do the dirty, horrible 
stuff. We are, what do you say, morally uh, unquantifiable or something like that. Yeah. And then watching Jason Bourne try to purge himself of these sins in the prequels and just kind of making a mess all the time. Yeah. Interesting, considering. But there, I guess that super quick, like, uh, that's kind of an interesting theme, though, because it's it's debatable for sure whether or not those agents, their work is necessary yeah. and justified. Like, they, I think... Uh, was it Albert Finney in the third one where he's saying, like, you have saved countless, like, American lives by your actions, yeah. and Jason Bourne's just kind of, like, justifiably angry about what happened, but at the same time, he's a different person now than he was before he had amnesia or whatever, yeah. so it's like, what he signed up for, he clearly knew was important. So, mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting, because you got these agents who are clearly wronged by their eight respective governments, but at the same time, what they do is kind of in their government's best interest, so it's yeah. kind of an interesting you know, double-edged sword there. It's hard to it's hard to completely get behind either side. Yeah. And it was kind of interesting to see Joan Allen's character kind of... She's getting reamed by the justice system in this movie. See, and that's... And I wanted to move on to the idea of Jason Bourne popping up in one of these Renner sequels. Yeah, how do you think that could tie in? Well, that was... My guess is that Bourne is going to catch a... Uh, a whiff of the fact that Landy, Pamela Landy's going to take the fall for everything. They turned it around on her and totally screwed her over. Oh, for sure. And I think it's going to be about Renner and, well, Bourne and Cross figuring out a way to expose the larger umbrella and get Edward Norton and and uh, Stacy Keach and those characters, make them take responsibility for what happened. And it could be a it could be an absolutely dynamic duo because, I mean, Matt Damon is a little older and a little out of it now. I think, and if it'd be cool if he came back for the next one and the two of them teamed up because Aaron Cross definitely seems more like the blunt instrument of the two. He's not quite as smart as as Bourne. Smart for sure, and a good like field operative. But at the same time, Bourne is really the schemer, and he's the one yeah. who's. Like, well, like, I, Pam, like Pamela says in the I prequels, think, is the hardest target you've ever tracked. It'd be cool if they teamed up and Bourne was more the string puller and Aaron Cross was... But it'd be sweet to see Bourne whoop some more ass, I'm not saying that. I think part of that was a problem with the script, where I don't think Renner's supposed to seem like as much of a blunt instrument. I think he should... Like, that's the thing, is that because we don't have a scene like Waterloo or... Uh, a scene like when he meets up with Nikki Parsons and and supremacy True. that you don't get to see. But the but even the way Renner portrays him, he's more of a raw like younger That's agent. True. He's more emotional. He's a little more passionate with the way he interacts with Rachel Vice. He's still a little more human, and he, I think he's more prone to act rashly. And whereas Bourne is so incredibly detached from everything after years of being you know the top dog, and then with having his like lady love taken from him. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. They're they're very different. They're two sides to a coin. Well, the the interesting thing that they brought up on the Totally Rad show was a possibility of the fact that the chems were introduced to give Cross an edge over Bourne. Hmm. And that in a sequel we could possibly see the two of them pitted against each other. Hmm. I wonder why. I was thinking that it could be some sort of asylum offering... Like David's David Strathairn's character is going to be like, "Hey Cross, if you can take out Born, we'll give you complete uh, amnesty for everything that you've done, and you'll be able to free walk walk See, free." Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't really be into watching that though, other than the fact that you're probably rooting for both characters. But yeah. 
we've seen agents and operatives pursuing Bourne before. We've seen people who are supposed to be better than him chasing him before, so it's kind of like... Well, they, yes, they but they actually that's... team up, though. I mean, they could do something where it starts off with the two of them, like... It could If it started with them at odds and, like, early, or, like, in the second act, you're like, wait, why are we fighting? Yeah. Or if Bourne finally says, dude, why are you hunting me? Like, don't you even know what's going on? They're yeah. just gonna kill you anyway. It's like the classic team-up comic book. That'd be cool. I wouldn't want to see a whole movie of... of of him chasing, yeah, because you know, I like I'm sick of seeing Bourne pursued by one agent. Yeah. It'd be cool to see like them be like, all right, here's our ninth agency that we secretly made, <laughs> and we're gonna send ten hitmen at the same rusty time. bucket and yeah. uh, golden rocket or whatever. Yeah, golden rusty shower, golden. and uh, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna send like nine agents after Bourne and Cross simultaneously. That that's the kind of stuff I would like to see. Like, just let's up the ante for real. I would I. I think the scene, like I, I keep referring to the the train station or the Waterloo scene, where oh, it's so good. <laughs> if 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 we get the version of that where it's oh Cross God. and Bourne and they're both just, just like working a crowd together, yeah, yeah. that'd like, be amazing. Navigating through and oh, it would be really really cool. But you know, I think I think this movie's a good stepping stone. But it's it's a it's it's. I don't even know. I still don't think it was that good, but I'm not going to acknowledge that it didn't lay the groundwork for some cool potential. I think, yeah. But one thing that really rubbed me the wrong way was the use of extreme ways at the end of the movie. <laughs> I was like, this is... I was wondering about that when I finished Ultimatum. This is Jason Bourne's theme as far as I'm concerned. I was like, are they still going to go with that? Like, it's been a long time. I think we can move on from the movie now, but... They really should... Well, the only way, and I told Willie, the only way I would have found it was acceptable is as if, if Bourne showed up. Bourne showed up at the very end, either on that boat or if the boat captain was taking him. Like, you I mean, I you didn't saying... catch the scuba mask rising <clears throat> from the water on the side of the boat? No, I'm just kidding. It was in Spider-Man's no, it would, reflection. Of it would have been cool. It would have been. It would have been cool if Aaron Cross, when he was looking at the map, she's like, "Where are we? Are we lost?" And he goes, "No, we're just. It's this island's hard to find or something." And he ends up taking him there. Because clearly Aaron Cross seems to know who Jason Bourne is. Yeah. And it'd be cool if at the end of the movie they go and find Bourne and, and they show up and Bourne's like, all right, we need to talk. And then they just launch into extreme ways. That would have been like, booyah. That would have been... That's, the movie would that's be true. at least 1 or 1.5 points higher on my scale. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been cool. And I'm I'm usually not one for just shameless cameos, but yeah. that's totally Jason Bourne's series. And I think this movie kind of solidified it that it's really hard to jump out from under his shadow, but especially if you're going to put him in the movie 11 times with his headshot. Yeah. 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 He was, he was in there a lot. And I don't know if that was just a, if it was a, like a way to remind the audience, this is a Bourne movie yeah. still. It was really look, ch- cheap look. and sloppy. Like they zoom in on this, on this mug shot. Like, Hey, I look, mean, it, it was like the, they struck the perfect balance between not weaving in enough and weaving in too much. Like it kind of should have been all or nothing. Well, okay. And it, just one thing, along the lines of the fact of why did this take place during Ultimatum, I think there's something in the fact, you know, the supremacy ending is in the middle of Ultimatum like you talked about before. And I think they do some really cool things in these latter two movies that they weave in a new story around scenes that we've already seen. Like you see the shot of the guy working in David Strathairn's like program he's calling up Edward Norton and I was yeah, like that's that, that that's really cool. cool and there's it's a lot of cool shots they do a really good job of making it seem as though it's very seamless it doesn't feel like it's been like I was thinking about this like Friday I went and saw it Saturday on Friday I was thinking I wonder if we're going to see any iPhones pop up and oh, I was yeah, like because if an iPhone pops up 
that's going to take me out of it because <laughs> yeah, there were not smartphones at the time and there and one didn't pop up to their credit which is awesome and i'm very happy that they did that but it's just they did a very good job of making it fit the time period which it's not even a particularly descript time period but it feels as sure. though like landy doesn't look aged at all and like nobody looks aged when you I, see I, them i couldn't tell i had a hard time and i had watched the movie the night before but i had a hard time telling which footage was straight from, from exactly Ultimatum and which was from the new one so they did a good job of replicating the uh feel yeah so i you know it's it's a i think it's a good movie you guys may disagree. I think, Willie, your tune would change a little bit if you saw the, the latter two, but... Yeah, and I'm fully willing to admit that that's probably part of it. I mean, I, I don't know, but I... I don't know. We'll I, see. Yeah, I mean, there were some moments... Like, the moment when, when it cut to the... Uh, the ad, like, the, the billboard ad at Waterloo that shutters yeah. back and forth. As soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, man, that's awesome. Yeah. This is like... I think it still had, I mean, even having seen the other ones, I think it still had so many plot and pacing issues. I just think, yeah, like that scene, the stuff from when Rachel Weisz gets back to her house until like they're full on like in airport and beyond mode was just like, like you said, just a slow crippled crawl to the next act of the movie. It was just every scene was drawn out and. I'm like, someone needs to be there to check Tony Gilroy and be like, rein it in a little, buddy. Like, yeah. you're, you're going on too long. That in, that interrogation or, like, grief counseling scene, whatever, I was like, oh, this is so hard to watch. And that, it was just weird. Well, and, once, like, once stupidly once, shot. And once the guy finally walked in with the gun and things actually started happening, that's one Even of the Even when moments. the guy walked in with the gun, I was like, this is retarded. He's like, well, well no, 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 no. And I'm not saying I that, found it. that in particular, but with... Uh, with Rachel Weiss up in the room with the gun, I felt like there was some really good suspense used. Once like, Aaron Cross showed once, up, yeah. once all the talking stopped happening, and yeah, once Aaron the action I've been waiting for happened, and him giving her the watch, and that that was the one smart thing that they actually used in this, where she's sitting with the, there with a the watch. She's like, once that goes off, shoot, like, and and then he's in the closet and gets the four shots and kills the yeah, guy. That, was, that cool. was, I was like. That was that's the one scent of the real intelligence that you get. Yeah, I, I I missed the lack of total improvised weapons that Jason Bourne used to do constantly, but it would it was good that that's kind of his shtick. Yeah, like yeah. Renner Renner putting the nail in the uh, in um in the in the fire extinguisher. Yeah, that was. Clever. I that's that's one thing that I realized about Jason Bourne this time around. I was like, every single time he's got a book instead of a knife, <laughs> and then, or a magazine instead of a gun. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's like he always. Gets the whatever. worst weapon and then totally beats the crap out of the dude anyway, which is <laughs> The book is, is awesome. really funny. I forgot how yeah. hysterical that part yeah. is. And the magazine, too. And and he's just got one. the book on the guy's face and he keeps punching, punching the, the book. book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was a great scene. I think that's probably the best fight scene in all the Bourne movies. Yeah. That scene is very cool in the third one. So but. you guys would say overall that this is a movie that, well, maybe not so much for Alex, but I think you'll hear <clears> the second part of the statement, that this movie doesn't quite hold up well on its own. But it oh, no is very way. promising for the future of the franchise. Yeah, I can. It's a I, weird bridge movie between franchises, I think. But it, again, it depends on even a if they make another one, and b if this wasn't born, I wouldn't have cared. Okay. Fair if enough. it wasn't a born, if it wasn't in line with the born movies, I wouldn't. All right, we got to do a quick poll to who do you think will be the next old white actor to play <laughs> the head of some agency in this one? You mean we, in the long line we of went Brian through, Cox. We went through, you know, Chris Cooper, who was middle-aged, yeah. and then 
Brian we got Cox. Brian Cox and then Albert Finney and now Stacy Keach. Who is the next logical choice for old white bureaucrat guy in charge? Uh, Donald Pop- Sutherland. Oh wow! Powers Powers Booth. Powers, Powers Booth. Booth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. Powers we Booth. just cast the next Bourne film. <laughs> yep. Donald Sutherland will be the grandpa on charge of everything. <laughs> I mean, then they got Scott Glenn in the last few movies too, so that's yeah. that rule. David Strathairn. David Strathairn, yeah, he's in on it. So we just need all the other. We need Powers Booth. This is an open casting call. The other middle-aged and <laughs> older white male actors with long careers behind you. Yes. You are wanted for the Bourne franchise. <laughs> to yell at to, underlings. To, yes, to yell at underlings and bicker with each other. Yes. And please. have such riveting lines of dialogue as, "I didn't know about this." Rack focus. Consider yourself informed. <laughs> yeah. That shit's gotta go. <laughs> I'm just so tired of that kind of writing. I'm like, come on, man. This is totally not how it happens in real life. That's what funny. you think. Mm-hmm. Powers Booth, though. Well, that's, it does it. Oh, that's brilliant. Powers Booth. All right. Totally. All right. Well, I think that's enough. I think the, the, the choice of Born Legacy as the title, though, is pretty interesting. It's definitely solidified that the... The Born Legacy is something very special, and I think this this movie kind of didn't quite live up it to did, it. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't fulfill. I think this this next trilogy or duology, if that's what it ends up being, whoever, whatever. I think that in total will be the Born Legacy. So this should have been like. So I don't know. It should, the Born Saga. Maybe, part maybe one. it should have been the Born Legacy colon. The cross something. No, because that's horrible. That but... sounds too much like the actual like a spy novel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm telling you though, Matt Damon showing up at the end, I would I would have been super okay with because I would have been like, now I have an idea of where the sequel's going. Yeah, but, yeah. Like I said, them sailing to an island and Matt Damon as a bearded warlord on an island and the well, it'll it'll be interesting. <laughs> with his harem of it, women. It yeah. sounded like when they left when they last left it that uh, Damon was not going to come back unless Paul Greengrass was directing. Which... Well, Damon, I think, got pretty sour. From what I read, he was pretty soured at the experience of the third one because I think that they were kind of... I didn't say... It didn't seem that they were rushed into it, but I know that the writing was a disaster. And well, he, the weird, the he weird... and Paul Greengrass were were rewriting... After they'd shoot for a day, they'd go back to the hotel and write like the next day's scene. Well, that was the weird thing that I've heard about both of the latter two Damon ones is that they were essentially shooting without a script most of the time. And and that and that it ended up like somehow. I mean, I would hope that Paul Greengrass has more skill than this, but I haven't seen many of his other movies. But it just so happened that he had footage that he could weave into a very cohesive movie both times around. I don't know. The second but, one seems it shows some pretty evident planning. I think at least if if only in the very least in the in the way that they filmed it. I mean, I, I watched a little bit of the special features on the second one, and it was a lot of work put into shooting all the a lot of the sequences so uh, i don't know maybe yeah it took a lot of work to shake those cameras hard enough to make <laughs> it so you yeah could... the second one it was definitely a bit much yeah um it was I, better I missed... this time around than i thought it would be it was yeah i agree i think maybe the first maybe in the movie theater screen though it's exactly too. Like at home it's a little more easy to contain i kind of missed doug lyman's style of, of directing though as much as i would as, as weird a statement as that is his his action direction is a little more it's easier to follow he absolutely would, he would intercut a little bit of shaky cam with a with a just a, a nice wide well you one would, one and a half second shot of of you, what's happening you'd get a shot so that you could see that matt damon was actually fighting in the born identity like you knew it was him and in in the latter two i think it was better done than the third one and the, and the, the editing maybe saved it i mean the average, I'm trying to remember, I read on the trivia, the average shot length in yeah. a Born Identity is like four or something seconds. The yeah. average shot length in 
supremacy is like two something <laughs> seconds and in ultimatum it's like 1.4 seconds is the yeah. average shot length the editing is crazy but it it helps the kind of desperation of the third one i think with him it's it's true i mean yeah it's used for effect but i still in a post haywire world i really loved the fight the the way the fighting was filmed in that movie and a post haywire world Alex. hey no seriously seriously i know you yeah, didn't really care for that movie the only but... time that sentence will ever be uttered <laughs> damn it alex honestly like Unless we name that a song. watch watch some of the fight I scenes still in haywire it, so you I need you need say. to give it a watch because that's i mean i've always been a strong advocate for for like i will watch the protector on dvd oh yeah a million times because those fight scenes never get old because they're real and granted I mean, movie stars are movie stars for a reason. They're usually not legit fighters, and you need editing to save them a little bit. But it's also com- becoming pretty common for a lot of today's action stars to actually get their hands really dirty. And like Daniel Craig and, and the Bond movies and Matt Damon in the Bourne movies, they're breaking ribs and they're snapping fingers. Because there's some Ip Man movies? Cause I haven't. Oh, fun. man. Crazy. Donnie Yen <laughs> tears it up. Seriously. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's that's those are the, the kind of fight scenes I like watching, but... Greengrass and definitely found kind of an interesting niche in terms of the the editing heavy fighting and it's it kind of bugs me but at the same time when I was watching this movie I found myself missing it I was like it'd be nice to have some really fast moving action right now I was okay without it yeah. but you're okay without a coherent plot too apparently <laughs> oh <laughs> man uh, well, I do love the pest. Rack focus. Anyway, <laughs> the pest is great. No, I, I, it wasn't awful, but it definitely I don't know didn't quite live up. I can. It's I okay. Can I agree mean, with that. Renner, I, I remember the the laundry list of potentials for for the lead in this movie is ridiculous, and I think Renner definitely was the best choice. Yeah, and, and that's and considering how many franchises he's roped into right now, that's yeah. saying something. I mean, I. I can certainly agree that this movie, I don't, I can't say that I had high expectations for it, because I didn't, I wasn't, it wasn't even really like something that I was thinking about that much, but it didn't really blow my mind at the end of it, I wasn't like, this was amazing, it was good to me, but. Serviceable. Okay. All right, well, I think that's going to be it for this episode, sorry Willie, you didn't get to uh, really talk a whole lot about this one but that's all right you know i you guys have seen the other movies so that kind of helps yeah, well and and i'm sorry that we didn't get to any kyle xy coverage yeah sorry week. sorry to uh our number one fan out there who hasn't gotten to hear any of my thoughts on kyle xy but maybe next time the yeah. kyle xy legacy yes. Jeremy this is gonna be like it's <laughs> gonna be like uh when uh kimmel does his apologies yeah. to matt damon thing <laughs> yeah every week we'll just apologize for not having kyle xy <laughs> yeah we coverage. didn't we didn't have enough time to get to kyle xy but <laughs> next, next time week, next time for sure. we got this Alright, so I'm Alex. I'm Willie. And uh, go watch a movie. Thank you.